The days are coming when I will fulfill the promise I made to the people of Israel and Judah. In our present Advent message series, we're talking about the promise of Christmas. And promises are an important part of our lives. When I tell you, for example, that I promise to help you on Saturday with your move, that means something to you when Saturday morning rolls around and your U-Haul truck is in the driveway for the prefigured, prearranged time, nine o'clock. Come Saturday, your watch says nine o'clock, then 9.10, 9.15, you begin to wonder what's happened to Nicholas. You call my mobile number, no answer. My voicemail is full. You start to perspire a bit. My promise is supposed to fulfill you with expectation. It's to give you hope on this moving day. And it's supposed to give us both something to look forward to. So where am I? And here you are alone with feelings of sadness mixed with anger and a sense of abandonment. For a promise to be fulfilled, for hope to be present, you have to be clear about what is being offered in the promise and who is promising it and what level of trust do you have of that person. The Christmas season is a time filled with a promise, but what specifically is the promise of Christmas for you this season like no other season. Just as you would have an expectation on Saturday morning of your big move as you sit in the driveway waiting for me, what would you expect for the season of Christmas at your house this year? Just to whet your appetite. It could be a homecoming like no other. It could be a homecoming to the house of the Father through the birth of his son, Jesus. If we are not clear about what Christmas really promises and what we could expect, we'll miss out on what Christmas homecoming can do for our family and what to expect from God to help you deal with that situation and those holiday feasts. So over these weeks of Advent, we're looking at scripture verses that point to the coming of Jesus Christ and how they fulfill the promise God made to send his son to you in the context of your home. And very importantly, we'll also be looking at how it's not just a Christmas event, but something you can live out of for the coming year. And what's the promise? It's the promise for internal security. It's a promise for peace, for anchoring. It's a promise that coming home to the house of the Father will be enhanced by them coming home to you and you coming home to your family. Last week, we were encouraged to, in our prayer time by Father Michael, to invite Jesus into our heart as, the, as, as king, as someone who rules our very lives and someone we serve graciously. And that presence, that grounding can help us in our tumultuous life. This week, the focus is going to be coming home or going home. The words coming home or going home don't touch us much until we link them to a context so they do touch our hearts when you hear, as a parent, 
your homesick college son or daughter's plea, Mom, can I come home? I'm not making it here at school. Or the exuberance of a friend in the hospital when he ecstatically announces, I'm going home tomorrow. Or your ill, feverish coworker in the office who sadly announces, oh, I just need to go home. The Jewish people had many such instances of coming home. For them, there was Abraham, a leaving Ur of the Chaldees, which is present-day southern Iraq, and traveling 2,200 miles, I counted them, to Egypt, and then back up to Canaan, either on a donkey, a camel, or on foot, or a little of all. And there, in Canaan, he became the father of the Jewish people, with children as numerous as the stars of heaven. Genesis 12 speaks of that promise. Let's see what it says. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's quite a promise. Become a great nation, and the whole earth will be blessed through you. And he's not just talking to the Jews, he's talking to us as well. Then there is the bondage of Egypt, a second instance. God's promise to Moses regarding the coming home to the land of Canaan. Again, a coming home. It's spoken of in Exodus 6. Let's take a look. Say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you, I will bring you, the Lord will, out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I'll bring you to the land I swore, quite a promise, God swearing an oath, with, the uplift, with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob I will give it to you as a possession. That's quite a promise as well. And then there's the return from captivity to Babylon, from Babylon to the land of Israel, which we'll hear about in a moment. The third coming home event to the Jewish people. What is important to note is that the promises made to Abraham and Moses, something about each one of them, the same thing. The coming home, in each case, drew the people deeper in their relationship with God as their provider. Each coming home was a coming home to a place of safety, a place of abundance and ownership. Each coming home gave the people a greater sense of who they were as God's people. So today, third instance, we hear from Baruch, speaking to them as captives in Babylon, and Baruch was a disciple of the prophet Jeremiah. He actually, he's the author of the book of the Old Testament that bears his name. And it was under, in this book that Baruch translated or dictated the very words of the prophet Jeremiah. And this is taking place five years after the destruction of Jerusalem by Babylonia in 586 BC. So what is it that Baruch says to us? Jerusalem, people of nativity, take off your robe of mourning and misery, put on forever the splendor of glory from God. Look to the east and west, your children gathered from east to west at the word of the Holy One, rejoicing that they are remembered by God. They are remembered by God. They may have been led on foot by their enemies, but God will bring them back 
carried high in glory on royal thrones. So the point one is that a very impressive passage. It's a message of great hope. And it's a promise to people who are in exile of a coming home that's going to make a difference. Make a difference. As if that were not enough, Baruch speaks specifically of how this return will take place. Let's take a look. For God has commanded that every lofty mountain, so God's doing the commanding here. So every lofty mountain, old age-old hills, will be brought low. That the valleys will be filled in to make a level ground. That Israel may advance securely in the glory of God. So point two is the overcoming obstacles that will make a difference in your coming home. So mountains and hills made low, what's that mean in their coming home and in your coming home? Does it mean that stress and the labor of climbing a mountain will be reduced physically? Yes. Can it also be a mountain of emotional stress that most of us are climbing right now? Absolutely. Valleys filled in are to become level ground. What's that mean about your coming home? Will it mean they won't get stuck in trenches that they can't get out of? Most assuredly. What will it mean? Will it mean that they won't encounter an abyss that they can't traverse emotionally? It does indeed. In short, the mountains and valleys are both real and metaphorical, physical and emotional. That's the promise made. It's a promise that all the things that will impede you in moving forward with your family this Christmas season will be overcome. So even in exile, they are filled with hope, for they've been given a promise by God himself. They are sent on their way knowing the obstacles will not be insurmountable physically or emotionally. That's good news. But a question remains. So they start out, as their returning home comes about, what signposts, what targets along the way will be their assurance that all's well? Or even that they're on the right path? The final section of the prophecy clarifies those ideas. Take a look. For God is leading Israel in joy by the light of his glory, by the light of his glory, by, the, by his mercy and his justice. So I'm starting out I'm on my journey, and I'll experience in my coming home all these three things. The glory of God, mercy, and justice that are his. So I'd like to call them the signposts along the way of your best efforts to make this Christmas homecoming a different quality, one that you've never experienced before. And so on that way coming home with those you love, or called dear friends, you'll experience the glory of God, which is God's promise taking place as you dine, feast, celebrate with family and friends. Second signpost, you'll experience mercy and forgiveness, whatever that is in terms of those with whom you're traveling. And the third, the justice of being fair and reasonable with fellow travelers. Three very important signposts along the way. There'll be a test on these three words as you leave. No, they won't. There won't be a test. 
But, but they are important to know, for it's precisely in these three tangible experiences, glory, mercy, justice, that you'll be assured that you're indeed on the right path to the fulfillment of the prophecy. And we'll know who's doing the leading and who is fulfilling the promise. From this rich understanding of Baruch's promise of coming home, let's move to St. Luke's words that will take us into a much deeper dive to this reality. But first, a word about the evangelist Luke. Luke's gospel is clearly written for Gentiles, non-Jews, about 30 years after the death of Jesus. It traces Christ's genealogy, for example, back to Adam, back to Adam, who is the father of all people, Gentiles as well as Jews, not from Abraham, who's the father of the Jewish people. So Luke's trying to be inclusive of everybody, including us. And he takes us deeper into how God is fulfilling his promise of how our home coming home will take place. I trust you, it's going to be different from what it was for the Jewish people, but it's still about a promise being fulfilled and how it will center around our simple tasks of returning home. Let's take a look. A voice of one crying out in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord to make straight his path. So there's a certain amount of preparation in terms of intentionality and a plan to make this work, to make this happen, to be cooperative with God in realizing the promise. Every valley shall be filled, mountains, hills made low, winding roads straight, rough ways smooth, and all flesh will see the glory of God. Well, Every valley in your life will be filled in some way and become level ground. Every mountain as well as valley. Winding roads shall in some way being, shall be straightened out. So what was winding for you will be clearer and straight. Rough ways made smooth and all flesh will see the salvation of God. That's a great promise for all of us. For the impassable ways, let me give you a few ideas. Impassable valleys that may be filled may be in your family, a long separation from a member of your family and how difficult it's been reconciling with them. I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands on that one. The isolation of 18 months of the pandemic of someone in your family and their feelings of abandonment. We probably all raise our hands there. An illness that doesn't allow a member to be present as your family gathers for the holidays, or a death that will leave an empty chair at your holiday table this Christmas season. Every impassable valley will be filled. That's the promise. And every high mountain or low rolling hill made low, well, how about your coming home could be putting aside the need to show off your business acumen or success to your extended family or friends, or how much we have, or what we've acquired since we saw you last. This time, you could focus instead on the joy of just being grateful for being together as family and friends. The straightening and winding roads and smoothing of rough ways may be setting priorities in your life for your gatherings. Priorities like making gratitude and giving thanks the top priority or acknowledging your longing for God and a deepening relationship with Jesus Christ 
by coming to Mass every Sunday or satisfying your search for God by joining a small group here at Nativity. Given these strategies, Luke's promise becomes clear. All flesh will see the salvation of God. Your flesh and mine will see that. It is a homecoming like no other. It's a homecoming to the house of the Father through the birth of his son Jesus Christ in our life. For me, and it's time for confession just to show you I'm, I'm alive and real and not perfect. I probably have the list of all imperfection. But for me, my impossible ways, I'll tell you, because none of my family is here right now. The high mountains, the winding roads, the rough paths, I'm going to name names. Maybe not names, just relationships. <laughs> Regarding my coming home this Christmas, well, I have a relative who has a know-it-all attitude. He'll be there. Now, I know you don't have anybody like that in your family. But I need to think about how can I be with him in a new way? I have a grown nephew who continues estranged from his parents. How can I console his inconsolable mother who will be at the table without him? Or a grandniece who is distanced from me for some reason will be there. How might I engage her in some conversation, be it ever so small? And finally, my promise is to have dinner with several of my Mercy Ridge community residents with whom I live. Promises that never seem to get scheduled. What action might I take today to schedule them once and for all? What are the promises you need to fulfill? What are the things you need to do? Who's your know-it-all? Who's your estranged? Who are those distanced? Who are those you haven't seen in a long time and lost contact with? There's work to be done. You know it as well as I do. Work in going home and coming home this holiday season. The good news is that we approach these dinners, parties, and gatherings with a great promise. And now, we have the resources and signposts as well to make a difference this Christmas season like no other. As I said, it will be a homecoming like no other before. A homecoming to the house of the Father through your house. A return of the birth of the Son Jesus in people because of that rebirth in your hearts. To sum up, in the second reading, St. Paul to the Philippians, we're assured of God who is true to his promises. Today, my friends, we see how these promises, what they have to do with the place you call your home this Christmas season. That helps us recall that over the years, every time we've gone home, things have hopefully improved. And from that experience, we have a new hope for what's coming up in the next two weeks. I would challenge you for heart work. Heart work, not head work, not homework, heart work. To be more intentional about what you will do to have your Christmas homecoming make a difference in the quality of one or two members of your family. The reading from Philippians sums up beautifully both the promise and our hope as we step into the Christmas season. Brothers and sisters, he's talking to us. I am confident 
of this, that the one who began a good work in you will continue to complete it. Began, it's already in process. It takes completion. And our Advent prayer for each of you, both here at our Ridgely Road campus and you throughout the world, our brothers and sisters on the internet, St. Paul's prayer is ours to you. That your love may increase ever more and more in knowledge and every kind of perception. That you may discern what is of value so that you may be pure and blameless on the day of Christ. I promise you, it will be a homecoming like no other. A homecoming to the house of the Father through the birth of his Son. And that it all will take place in your house and through your presence. Sisters and brothers, that day is upon us. I challenge you to seize it now.